Welcome to the Scholarly Kitchen Podcast for July 1st, 2013. I'm Stuart Wills from Science Magazine. Well, in terms of publicity at least, these have not been the palmiest of days for the journal Impact Factor. In late spring, a group of journal editors and publishers issued the much-publicized San Francisco Declaration on Research Assessment, or DORA, that slammed the use of journal-based metrics such as the Impact Factor as a tool for assessing research quality and supporting decisions on funding and scientific career advancement. Dora also called on publishers in particular to stop promoting their journal's impact factors and to start emphasizing article-level metrics as a tool for assessing research impact. As noted in a Scholarly Kitchen post shortly after Dora came out, these criticisms of impact factor and calls for a better way aren't exactly new. But they do serve to highlight the range of other measurements that might be deployed to gauge article impact— Among them, so-called alternative metrics or altmetrics, like social media activity, bookmarking, blog posts, and other sharing activity of the Internet age. A sign that altmetrics are starting to be viewed as a bit less alt came at the end of June, when NISO, the National Information Standards Organization, announced a Sloan Foundation-funded project to develop standards and recommendations for the use of altmetrics. Where does all of this stand, and where is it going? For that, we turn to Jason Prem, a grad student at the University of North Carolina, who's credited with coining the term altmetrics. Jason has been a tireless advocate for leveraging new web-driven ways of assessing scholarly impact. He's also the co-founder, with Heather Pivovar, of Impact Story, a new venture centered around aggregating altmetrics that recently received a half-million-dollar expansion grant of its own from the Sloan Foundation. He joins me today by cell phone. Jason, welcome. Thanks, sir. So uh, a bit less than three years ago, you, along with uh, three other people, wrote the Altmetrics Manifesto at uh, altmetrics.org. It seems like we've actually come quite a way since then uh, in what, you know, to me at least, seems like a rather short time. How do you see it? Uh, Where, as you see it, does Altmetrics uh, stand today, both in terms of infrastructure and in terms of community acceptance? So I guess it's sort of a broad question. I'll do my best to be brief. I think in terms of the technical infrastructure, uh, it's pretty exciting that we actually, this month, had a meeting between uh, what, you know, it was some degree of amusement still kind of realizes an altmetrics industry, or at least the very beginnings of one, mm. uh, with us, altmetric.com, uh, you and AD, Andrea uh, Mihalik, who's with uh, Plum Analytics, and Martin Fenner, uh, with, and Jennifer Lynn with PLOS, and uh, PLOS are global metrics. And so it's exciting to see that there's actually... Um, Sort of like I said, uh, the very beginnings of the industry as different organizations start to tackle this, I think, relatively interesting and hard problem. We're also seeing traditional industries start to take a role. Traditional big players in the industry as Elsevier acquired Mendeley, I think, in no small measure uh, because of its ability to gather all metrics on re- uh, researcher usage behavior. And then also, of course, a huge investment, I believe, $30, $30 million, $35 million um, from Bill Gates in uh, ResearchGate, which, you know, trumpets its altmetric researcher score. Uh, which I think is a cool initiative, although I think sullied or, or held down by its uh, closed-source nature. So I think that's the sort of technical side. I think in terms of community, I think we almost sort of have to say communities because I think there is really sort of a wide diversity in stakeholders for this stuff. Publishing community has certainly taken this really well. You know, there's tremendous interest in the publisher conferences that we've been going to, and we're seeing, you know, very established pu- uh, publishers like Nature start to include altmetrics 
next to their articles. The funding community has been, you know, it's been really gratifying to see how excited they've been about this because, of course, they are very much in the business of impact and on impact understood in the broadest possible sense because frequently their constituents or stakeholders are folks uh, who are in that sort of uh, broader impact area outside the, the ivory tower. I recently gave a talk at uh, the NIH, which is really cool, so sort of director of the NIH there, and a lot of people there, you know, very interested in looking at telling stories of impact. Uh, one of the guys from the NIH gave a, told himself a great story of going before Congress and saying, uh, you know, here's all of the value the NIH has provided over the years and everything, and Congress not that impressed, and they're going to cut the budget and everything. And so finally, he's this sort of in desperation. He shows a video of someone, you know, with Parkinson's that, you know, uh, he had, they put like a microchip in his brain or something, and it sort of fixed a lot of his Parkinson's, he's playing across with his grandkids, and he got a standing ovation, everybody's crying and everything. And I thought, you know, this is such a great illustration of what I think hmm. impact story can maybe be useful because, you know, we're all about helping people tell these stories, helping people find these stories, and then uh, be able to tell them in a, in a meaningful way. So I think that's, that community, I think, is really exciting. And then finally, the sort of research community, particularly in the evaluation area, is finally starting to jump on board with this stuff. We're hearing reports of uh, a guy who uh, included impact story metrics in his promotion packet uh, to full professor, and he got one of the external reviewers coming back and saying, uh, wow, this is so cool. I, I added up all of your slideshow views, and it adds up to like 15,000. You're making a really big impact here. So hearing stories about that, about uh, evaluators getting really excited about metrics, and uh, presumably it's sort of improving a person's tenure promotion case, I think that's a really good sign that um, that community is starting to engage with all metrics. So, of course, it is really early days, and there are quite a few people who are still sort of uh, either unimpressed or downright terrified. I, I will say, though, uh, to me, uh, looking at it as sort of an outsider, there have been a number of events almost at, at what you might call the sort of policy level that seem uh, actually quite auspicious for altmetrics. Uh, one of them, uh, Dora, this DORA uh, initiative. Are you hearing anything about the effects of that and, and about you know, what that might mean for altmetrics? Yeah, good question. Um, it's been interesting, you know, because we're, we're involved and we're signatories to that with Impact Story and also individually. And uh, it's really very exciting, and I think it's really cool. I, I kind of argue that it didn't go far enough, which is, I guess, my, my role in many such proceedings. But I, I think considering the signatories and considering the community that is participating, I think it actually was, was quite a bold step. And it, it indicates that altmetrics and new ways of thinking about impact are no longer at the fringes, right? They're no longer the exclusive province of young, crazy people like me, but, but the actual establishment, people right, who have a real stake in the system and have had a stake in the system for a long time. And I think that is a really encouraging sign. And that's, I think, the biggest sort of take-home about door. And when I go places, you know, and talk to people that generally wouldn't be aware of, of all metrics, they all have heard of door and they're excited about it. From the point of view of getting people to sort of accept altmetrics, it seems in a way that the news from uh, NISO, uh, which was announced just very recently in late June, could in some ways be an even, uh, have an even more immediate impact uh, on altmetrics. Uh, could you talk to that a bit? I definitely think it's going to have an impact. I kind of hope it doesn't have an immediate impact because I think you know, it's sort of a two-year grant, and I think this process is a, is a conversation that needs to be done, I think, pretty deliberately. So hopefully that impact will start to pay off over the next you know year or so. I, I think it's an interesting move, an interesting, an interesting idea, and I'm really excited that Sloan is funding it. Uh, Josh Greenberg, the program officer, is funding a lot of stuff. It's really visionary in this area, and I'm, 
I'm excited that he's he's putting money into this. Um, I definitely think caution is called for. Um, I think I'm sort of one of those folks who can see a lot of ways that this process can go badly and can sort of stifle innovation in the field. Hmm. Um, but I think there are also ways that it can go really good. I think there are ways that it can provoke a meaningful conversation, and, and I'm all about meaningful conversations. And being an optimist, I'm, I'm going to assume that's where we're going to go. I just I think I'll probably be uh, certainly trying to remind folks that there are, for instance, no uh, NISO standards regarding citation, right? Mm-hmm. And citation metrics have managed to be pretty successful and managed to have been pretty influential, so I'm going to say too influential, despite having a really wide variety of the ways we accumulate those citations, uh, though in the ways we report those citations. And so I think all metrics uh, is probably wise to learn, at least in some Well, well that that's, a, that's a reasonable point, but I mean, I think that uh, when you go to the Impact Story website, for example, you're very uh, candid about saying, we don't, you know, we don't know what any of, what all of this means, et cetera, or at least that, that I seem to remember reading that in your FAQ. I mean, if nothing else, it seems like uh, having someone come in and look at the kind of universe of... Uh, of these metrics and and start to uh, start to establish maybe what they mean can't help but be a good thing for the community. Absolutely, I think it's wonderful to establish what they mean. I think the tricky thing is who has the ability to do that establishing. Mm-hmm. Um, we can sit around a conference table and say, well, we we now declare it means this, but that doesn't make it mean anything, right? I mean, the people who establish what it means is going to be researchers. So recent research from. Um, you know, uh, Vince Lavier, uh, Cassie Sumimoto, Mike Bellwall, and I think somebody else. It was a great step towards that. You and I think very admirably at allmetro.com released a large data set, let people do research on it. We've been doing the same thing. And, um, you know, releasing that stuff to researchers and doing sort of quantitative analysis on it is a really important first step. I think another really important step is actually doing sort of ethnographic or more qualitative research to say, hey, look, how do researchers use these tools? When a researcher tweets, what does that mean? When a researcher says something in the Mendeley Library, what does that mean? Right? And that's, that's really, really important research. Um, that I think the openness of altmetrics data will promote. And I don't think we can necessarily make those assessments, like I said, sitting on a conference table. But, but again, I, and, and I, don't want to, I don't want to sound like the, you know, the ghost of the feast. I do think this is actually an exciting, an exciting development. I, I really do. I think it's suffered maybe in some ways from the fact that it's been discussed in very vague terms, and I think that's actually probably a credit to Todd and Niso. You know, he, he wants to let the community set the agenda, and he doesn't want to set the agenda in advance. And I think that's actually really, really encouraging. But I think part of the side effect of that is that people sometimes assume the worst, right? What's, what's, what's going to happen? You know, in thinking about uh, the use of altmetrics for assessing impact, it's always seemed to me that uh, how the data are sort of normalized is a key because we're talking about actually very different kinds of measurements. I mean, you mentioned citations uh, earlier, and they're, it's obvious to me at least that citations are a little different from, uh, you know, Twitter postings. Can you give an idea of, of, in a sort of a practical way, how uh, these data actually are normalized uh, when you when you look at them? Sure, absolutely. It's a great question, and I think it cuts to the heart of, of what's important about what Heather and I are doing with Impact Story and what the field in general is doing with altmetrics. And I think there's actually sort of two parts of your question. Um, on the one hand, there's the question of, of actually, like you said, sort of normalizing against the rest of the field. So in this case, um, this is what we don't do with citations, but there's increasing interest in doing is saying, uh, okay, so I'm cited five times. Right? That is an incredibly disappointing number if I'm in some fields of biomedicine, whereas an incredibly encouraging one if I'm in you know, some parts of academic philosophy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we need to normalize sort of by our discipline. Um, so that's an important thing that we need to do with all metrics. No one is really doing that right now because of the 
I think, fairly well-known problems of separating out disciplines. There's quite a lot of space in the border, and it's hard to know what to normalize by. Um, I think we're definitely going to see that over the next you know, 12 to 18 months. The other kind of normalization is that in, in the citation world, citation practice has not changed radically in the last 50 years, maybe gradually, but not radically. Uh, tweeting practices, on the other hand, have changed quite radically in the last 50 years, from mm-hmm. not at all to some <laughs> to currently quite a bit. And we can imagine that in five years it may be vastly more, and in five years after that it may be zero because Twitter's been replaced by something else. Um, and so when we normalize for all metrics, it's very important that we take into account this time element. Mm-hmm. Time element is, of course, important in citations as well, but in citation world, you're, you're, you can only get more and more citations as your thing grows older. Uh, in the altmetrics world, if your thing is old enough, and I say thing because it could be, of course, a data set or a, a software package or an article or anything, if, if your product is old enough, it may just predate uh, the thing that we're measuring. It may predate tweets or Mendeley or something like that. So this is an important kind of normalization as well. And then finally, I think what you alluded to, and I'm not sure I would exactly say normalization if, if I'm understanding you correctly, is, is sort of a comparison between different dimensions of impact. And there I think we get into to very interesting territory, right? Because for some purposes... I might say, well, I think it takes 100 tweets before you can equal one citation. That's, that's the amount of you know, impact that, that I would need, right, to sort of equal amount. But for other purposes, you know, I might say, well, gosh, you know, I'm actually really interested in public impact, so what I want is, is tweets above citations. I would actually I would put them at parity, right? And another mm-hmm. person might say, well, the kind of work we do, Twitter is completely relevant, and so I think Twitter should count for zero right, in our equation. So I think that's a little bit of a tricky, a tricky question. I'm not sure that means that we should avoid it altogether. I think there, there are certainly interesting ways to try and, to try and reduce. Essentially, we have a, a dimensionality problem right, where we need to reduce the dimensionality. We've got 12 or 14 or 20 different dimensions, and we want to try and reduce them to, uh, I think, for many administrators, it's ideally one, right, and one nice number. Right. I'm not sure how that's going to pan out. I think, <laughs> I think I, I, you know, I, I think there's, there's opportunities. I'm not sure it's wrong to reduce them to one number as long as you're extremely upfront and open about the way that you do that. That's got to be, you know, absolutely the first priority. I suppose there's the risk of replacing one discredited number with another. I sp- <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yep. I think part of the way we avert that risk is, like I said, proceeding with 100% openness and transparency. So if you are reducing that number, and, and maybe people can do that in a reasonable and uh, at least, I guarantee, at least provocative way, um, it's going to be essential that every step of that process is well dec- documented and completely public, mm-hmm. which the ISI has not been able to do. So uh, let's just talk a little bit more about Impact Story. Certainly what you're doing seems like something, as you alluded to earlier, that publishers are increasingly interested in, uh, increasingly interested in presenting this as a sort of, as a service with their with their articles. But I, I did notice that on your website, uh, while it's speaks very much to researchers, funders, and repositories. It has nothing really to say about publishers as among those who, who you know, impact story is potentially, you know, for. Um, what is the role of publishers in the future of something like impact story as you're envisioning it? Uh, or is in there indeed a role at all for publishers? That's a terrific question and an astute observation. And it, it represents in some ways a change of where our focus has been. I think earlier last year and stuff, uh, you know, we, we're seeing this tremendous interest from publishers. We thought, well, of course, that's who we'll focus on, you know. But then we got to thinking, and, and we realized that as a nonprofit, we have sort of a, a little bit of a catch-22, where on the one hand, we need, to, we need to be a sustainable nonprofit, so we need to find markets that can support what we're doing. But at the same time, when we find a really healthy market, uh, we kind of actually want to leave that to the for-profits, right? I mean, one of the big advantages of a nonprofit, or one of our big goals of a nonprofit, is to actually create and build markets for other people to exploit. 
So when we look at publishers, we thought, you know, that's actually a, a very quickly maturing market. Uh, I think UN at Almetra.com is doing a terrific job. You've got PLOS, ALM, providing sort of an open alternative, and I think that's a really good thing. And so we said, where is there space for us to make an even bigger difference than we would in working with publishers? And we thought, well, I mean, publishers, as, as many of them will be quick to tell you, are not leading the sort of charge of research. They're following it, right? I mean, they serve researchers and they serve researchers institutions. And so if we wanted to really sort of promote change uh, in scholarly communication at the root, we would really want to try and focus on researchers and the reward system that affects researcher behavior. And so that's what we've really tried to start doing. And with this grant, uh, this latest Sloan grant, we've really sort of doubled down on that idea and said, you know, we're going to spend two years really trying to create something that changes the way researchers think about their own scholarly production, that makes them think about their data sets and about their code and about their blog posts and other products as first-class parts of what they do as scholars. And more importantly, <laughs> makes their evaluators think about those products as first-class parts of the scholarly process and makes them think about audiences in a broader and more diverse way, not just scholarly audiences, but public audiences, practitioners, clinicians, the general public, people like that. And so our goal is really, like I said, to, to double down on that. If we can make the change that we hope we can in that, in that area, I think that um, the sort of publisher world is going gonna, is gonna to quickly respond to that change. So that's kind of our goal. Um, that said, we are working with a number of publishers, particularly folks that we think of as sort of forward-thinking. So we have a partner with PeerJ. Uh, uh, we have a partnership with eLife partnership with Ubiquity Press, a couple other smaller open access publishers, and we're also looking forward to gradually growing our partnership with Highwire Press. Um, so we are going to continue to be uh, active publishers in the short term, and over the long term, because we are trying to build something that's a completely open infrastructure uh, at scale, um, we're going to be able to, to be easily embeddable for free in any publisher's platform. Um, but that's going to need to wait, I think, at least to the end of this year as we sort of build scale to do that. Okay, well, let's close by uh, broadening the focus again and going back to the term you invented, uh, altmetrics. Uh, that's obviously been a great term for describing something that clearly needed describing. Uh, but in a way, it's always seemed to me that the use of alt uh, as the prefix seems to kind of uh, marginalize these measures from the point of view of uh, some of the communities that matter. Uh, a tenure committee, you know, for example, which, you know, like it or not, remains important to career building in science. Are you uh, starting to see a point where alt metrics are no longer alt uh, in, the, in the visible future? Um, yeah, it's an interesting question. I mean, certainly I... Uh the word was first used as a hashtag in a tweet, which I think is nicely appropriate. And uh, I certainly didn't plan on it to be adopted by a broader community. If I thought there was that chance, I probably would have turned around and asked someone who was smarter to come up with a better word, because there certainly are uh, liabilities to the word. Uh, on the other hand, one thing I do kind of like about it is reflective of the actual state of play, which is that for a great many of tenure committees, a uh, great many funders, as you allude to, these are very much alternatives, right? These are very much sort of weird and uh, revolutionary ways of thinking about science that make some people uh, uncomfortable. And, and like I said, I do think they provoke fear in some research, fear that the research communication infrastructure that they've grown up with uh, as researchers, the one that they've learned how to play at, the one that they've learned to be good at, is changing in really deep and radical ways. And consequently, I do think there's still some, some uh, plenty of folks who feel like our metrics is something to marginalize, something to push to the fringes, and, and I think the term reflects that. I do totally agree with you that at some point we're going to need to, to stop using all metrics because it won't be health anymore, right? It'll be just metrics. And I think that'll be a lovely day, and I'll be the first to retire the word and never use it again. Um, I think we're several years away from that, maybe five years at least. 
um, from when people sort of accept altmetrics as just as meaningful a, contrib- a contribution to discussions of re- research impact as something like the impact factor. So while we waste it, I think it's reasonable to, to embrace the fact that we are doing something a little bit different, a little bit um, boundary pushing, a little bit, I think, revolutionary. And so I think it's a word that I will grudgingly accept until then. <laughs> Jason Prem, thanks very much. Thanks so much for having me, Stuart. It's been a really great conversation. And thank you for dropping in to the Scholarly Kitchen podcast for July 1st, 2013. Be sure to visit scholarlykitchen.sspnet.org, where every day some of the sharpest minds in scholarly publishing detail, discuss, and debate the trends shaping the business. You can also comment on this podcast episode on its blog page, and we'd love to hear from you. Thanks to the Society for Scholarly Publishing for its support of this project and for hosting our audio files, and to the American Association for the Advancement of Science for use of its studio and production facilities. This is Stuart Wills from Science Magazine. Until next time, on behalf of SSP and all of the chefs in the scholarly kitchen, bon appétit.